Hey everybody, it's Brandon from the Box Office Bomb Squad. And if you're like me, I know that you like to own a little bit of the movies that we uh, so nicely talk about here. Go to Iggy'sPopShop.com. There's a link in our description. That's our affiliate link. If you use that and the code SUMMERFUN, all caps with the space, you'll get a cool discount. Go there, buy stuff, nerd out, and let us know what you got. Thanks, guys. We are the Box Office Bomb Squad. This is where we were breaking down some of the biggest bombs to ever hit theaters, and today's bomb is Mortal Engines. Fifty quirks for this soggy dollop is an extraordinarily generous offer, madam. Normally, that would be enough to make me self-pollinate. So, Mortal Engines uh, grossed $83.7 million. That's a decent amount of money. Um, the production budget... Uh, you know, was uh, $150 million, plus <laughs> a ton of costs for advertising, uh, losing an estimated $175 million in the process, making this the largest loss we've done on the show. And just for an added insult, only $16 million of that was made here in America. And we're usually wow. the, like, front runners on this stuff. So, uh... <laughs> Knowing how bad it failed, let's talk about it. Oh my god, let's talk about it. All right. Where do I start? Where do I start? (laughs) There's, There's a lot to talk about in this film. It's two hours long, so I hope there's... You know, something to talk about. Uh, this movie came out at a good time. Uh, you know, it was December, uh, December 8th, I believe. So it came out before the holiday, which is still a good time. It was destroyed by Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It did not expect that to be such a high performer, which caused a lot of problems with this, because if your choices were this or Spider-Man, you went to Spider-Man. And then the next weekend, Bumblebee and Aquaman hit theaters, and just continued to destroy this film. So, man, this film just had a bad matchup. Uh, we'll talk about whether or not that really weighed into it uh, as we go along. Uh, but, yeah, this film, based on a book series from 2001, there's four books in the series. We'll never see the second movie. Peter Jackson uh, produced it, did not direct it. I, uh, fo- I falsely said he did last time. But this definitely has a lot of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas uh, uh, feels to it, where the director, Christian Rivers, was someone who was an unknown. So instead of pushing the director, they pushed a producer really hard. And it led people to believe that Peter Jackson actually directed it, just like people think Tim Burton directed Nightmare Before Christmas when he did not. It was Henry Selleck, by the way, for people out there who don't know. This is true. So I also, while I'm mentioning mistakes I made, I don't know why, but last episode at the end, I said, oh, yeah, the zombie guy in there is played by Stephen Merchant, the comedian. I don't know why I said that. Stephen Lang is who plays him, and I knew that. I just, for some reason, got the names completely backwards in my head. But these two actors could not be more different. But Stephen Lang from uh, Avatar and, you know, those don't, don't breathe movies. Uh, that's yeah. who played the zombie guy. 
that's who I know him from is Don't Breathe. Yeah. Oh, you don't know him as the bad guy from Avatar? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on a uh, secret. I have never seen a an Avatar movie at all. Well, there's only one. Okay, well, no, I haven't seen <laughs> Avatar. Then. I I keep wow. I saw that there was a Avatar two here. Oh, it's being. Uh, oh, it's 2022. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, I haven't here. seen Avatar. Wow, it's all, I mean, we do we do a podcast based on the movies that failed the worst. That's one of the biggest earning movies of all time. It's not yep. like it's a great film. I'm not saying you're missing out because it's such a wonderful film, but it is an interesting part of film history for you to be lacking on. Well, you know, it it's one of those things where you also one of my most hated movies of all time was critically acclaimed as well, Juno. Uh, I, I hate it with every fiber of my being. But Juno wasn't Titanic. No, it wasn't this. It wasn't like <laughs> making all the money ever. I have strange but, movie tastes. What can I do? I love Super Mario it's, Brothers. So yeah, well, I mean, we might discuss that. I don't know. I don't know if that mo- that movie. I don't know if it actually technically lost money. It just was. I don't know. think it did. I don't think it's on the <laughs> list because of that. It didn't really make, or it didn't well, really cost anything. Are super valuable now. No, it is not on our list. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> so, uh, this movie. I did not know about these books. I'll, I'll completely admit it. I did not know these were even books. I looked them up and I read plot breakdowns of the four books. Um, they did keep the movie relatively the same. They changed some major points, but for the most part, you hit all the parts you want to hit. Uh, they gave Shrike a little more uh, reasoning and and separated him from the other form, the other bad guys a little more in the movie than he is in the books. But all in all, I gotta say, as far as an adaption from a book to a movie, they hit most of the points that people wanted to see. And from what I've heard from fans of the book series, they did not hate the film for those reasons. The reasons they hated the films were completely different, uh, mostly being the very forced Star Wars approach. This movie tried to be Star Wars in so many ways it hurt. <laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah, I, I I completely agree. It it felt like a mixture of trying to be Star Wars, and also there were some scenes when I thought to myself, "Am I watching someone play a video game?" I mean, there's a lot of Hell's Moving like Castle that. references, and there's there's a lot of stuff in this that is like just clearly borrowing from other films. There's a Mad Max feel to some of oh, it. Oh yeah. So, uh, speaking of Mad Max, my first complaint, my first major complaint, the biggest problem is the lack of resources, right? And they're like, oh, we don't have any resources. The fucking ground is wet and there is vegetation everywhere. There are trees and plants everywhere. So the only reason there's a lack of resources is because these lazy fucks aren't planting food. Now, you could say that all the animals died, sure, because seemingly there were no animals. I don't know if you noticed. I didn't see any. There were no animals whatsoever, and obviously we know from the market scene that we'll definitely talk about, they make (laughs) sausage out of people. But the thing that bothers me the most is you don't have to have animals to survive. You can eat a vegetarian diet, and obviously these people probably are on a vegetarian diet. They would have to be unless they're eating other people because whatever – crisis happened here when the earth's crust shattered into a million pieces or whatever he said it 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 was supposed to get rid of the earth's resources but we see things growing things can grow 
all they would need to do is start growing crops. So how is this a problem? It, it, that bothers me so bad. There's, this isn't Mad Max where everything's a fucking desert. Oh, I can understand Mad Max. There's water everywhere. And when she's like, yeah, you have to dig this water out of the ground to drink it. And then immediately the next scene, she's in a fucking bog full of water. I know that bog water is not much cleaner, but if there's that much standing water there, there's standing water in other places. There's yeah. so many fucking scenes that completely take you away from what the point of this world is supposed to be. It drives me crazy. Yeah, it's very selective with um, things like that. Uh, you are right. There are no animals. Uh, none that I could see either. Uh, and yeah, if there's water on the surface, there's only water on the surface because there's water underneath. That's, the, that's how water works. Yeah, if there's no water how, underneath, it goes down. That is how water works, yes. <laughs> yeah, so... There's plants everywhere. Yeah, and her thing of, oh, the thirst will kill you before the hunger does. Weren't they just like on a city not too horribly long i mean the sun hasn't come up and gone down yeah so they haven't I mean, even gone a day without water yeah he's been less than a day he's, he's and they're all fully fine. yeah they're fully dressed so it's not hot chill out on drinking the puddle of muddy ass water you know yeah, that scene you is probably there wait just a bit to, that, that scene is there just for us to go oh hester's is tough hester's so tough and it's just <laughs> And uh, I, what's the guy's name? Tom. And Tom's, yeah, Tom. Tom's a fancy boy. And it's like, that's all that that scene was for. And man, it just, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of these really four scenes in this film. Um, when we meet Valentine's daughter, she's like, yeah, I'm studying the old world and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, I have these books and I, you know, I know all the stuff about it. She talks about how she's kind of becoming an expert in it, right? So I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's who she is as a character. They're just, they've only just met each other, so her introducing her likes aren't forced. That's fine. But then Tom goes into a four-minute exp mansplain exposition where he tells her about the past. And I'm like, she's the one fucking studying it. What are you talking about? And they just, the entire past of this film is explained in this one scene, and it is so heavy-handed. He's like... Well, you know, they had tech back then, and man, tech and the tech and the tech. Oh, old tech, old tech, old tech, new tech. Look, I made a TV screen. The TV screen shows the weapon. Oh, there's a weapon. Oh, how could they make a weapon? Those weapons are super dangerous. It'd be really bad if those weapons ever came back. Ah, and I'm like, wow, movie. That The movie treats you like you are an idiot, and you could never possibly ever solve any issues yourself. They tell you every single step, and it is... The laziest, and I can't believe, because I, I do like Peter Jackson, and I know he had a lot to do with this, but it is one of the laziest scripts I've ever seen. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that caught me, uh, it's definitely not what I would consider like a plot point or anything, but it just caught my eye when I saw it. When he's mansplaining the 60-minute war to her and mm -hmm. all the history that she obviously has already studied. Yeah. Um. The book that he shows her is The 60-Minute War, and it's written, I forget his entire name, but his first name, the author, Nimrod. Nimrod, Nimrod Royal uh, something. I forget his Primrose name. Primrose or, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's actually a super important character in uh, the second 
book. He is a lead character in the second book. <laughs> Quasi-villain. I'm uh, not reading a book by a guy named Nimrod. So, like, his entire thing is he... Uh, so, not to uh, attack the author of the book, because I'm sure he worked hard at this, and I'm not sure which one came out first, but the point of Nimrod is that he talks all about the studies he knows of and all the stuff that he's an expert in, but he doesn't actually know any of this stuff. He's never explored America, because that's the whole point of the second book is going to America. He's never hmm. explored it. He knows nothing about it. He's very much Gilderoy Lockhart from the Harry Potter series. Uh, and I don't know who debuted first, Nimrod or, or Lockhart, but when I was reading up on that, I'm like, well, this character is like a almost a direct clone of that. So one or the other, you know, and obviously they probably didn't rip each other off. It was probably just that happens. Characters well, that yeah. exaggerate is going to be a thing. So. Oh, yeah, 100%. And now that I know, honestly, going into this, I didn't know they were books either. Um, yeah. Now that I know that they are books, I am definitely going to get them and read them. Because, yeah, it's a steampunk, interesting world. So. Yeah, there's a lot of potential in this world. And it's one of my main complaints about the entire movie is that I there were a lot of things I wanted more of. I wanted to know more. We hear about the shield wall, but we never know anything about it until it's the end of the movie when we see it. just a wall. And, that, and I thought yeah. there was going to be more to it than just a wall because right? that wall wasn't that thick. And I'm like... You're telling me that that tank, the London, couldn't just hit that and ram it over? Yeah. Bullshit. And I wanted to hear more about not just the character of Shrike, uh, the robot, but oh, I also Lazarus wanted to hear Brigade more. The Brigade in general? Yeah, I wanted to hear more <laughs> about the robots, period. Because once I see him, I'm like, that's fucking cool, man. We get a date and of I this film uh, because whenever he gets a Twinkie from Hester, the ex expiration date is... 2186 and he says this is almost 2000 years old yeah. so we by the way let's just fucking stop it with twinkie jokes it's it's not it's it, not a twinkie it's an inky can you hear <laughs> there's no t on the packaging so yeah. she calls it an inky which to me not, honestly sounds better than twinkie yeah it's not that funny <laughs> family guy did it in what fucking 2000 maybe 1999 mm. Zombieland did it. And Zombieland did it after that. And then Ghost Rider did a joke about it. And uh, just all these fucking movies relying so heavily on this one stupid fucking joke. Just lay off of it. Let's retire that joke, guys. We'll, like, the joke's done. The joke was never that funny anyway. Uh, it was sort of funny when we first saw it. But after that, it became very not funny. And uh, every time I see it, I go, ah, I hate this. I hate this fucking trope. I hate it. And while we're at it, let's stop the fucking minions jokes. Can we? <laughs> like That's probably the only reason this movie got made was all the money that minions made. Isn't it by some of the same people? I don't even fucking know, man. All I know is that in 2186, they're saying yeah, the universal. minions are still incredibly popular. So 200 they're, years from now, the minions are still a ancient thing. deities. Yeah, they're American deities. I, I heard the fucking yeah. old man that shows up just to deliver <laughs> that one joke. <laughs> but, like, uh, also, they complain about the rumbling of a tank driving. Of course it's going to fucking rumble. And then that shit well, keeps yeah. falling and breaking. But nothing is suspended. Like, the, those things are just standing. And they're like, oh, they're going to fall. Like, no fucking shit they're going to fall. They're just standing there. Anyway, yeah. I get sidetracked. Uh, the, the, you're right about the wall thing. They never explain anything too much because... 
I don't think there's an explanation because the problem is we're told things and then shown the opposite and it doesn't make any fucking sense. We're told that these predator cities are a necessity because there aren't resources. Yet then we see that there's there's fucking vegetation outside so there can be resources. And then we're told how these cities, the only way to survive is the predator cities. But then we see a fucking city in the sky floating and we see a fucking city built into a, a cliff wall. Both of which seem fine. So where are they getting their supplies? Are they stalking other cities? No. It's just London. So is London lying? Well, then it's here's the other question. Well, there's not enough fuel, not enough fuel, not enough fuel. Boy, they love talking about how there's not enough fuel. But there's a fucking blimp with enough with more helium than what we even have on Earth at this moment holding that motherfucker up. Because mm-hmm. they explain that it's like lighter gases because it's flammable. It's not just air in there with torches. So there's some type of flammable gas in there, and uh, it could be... It would be uh, hydrogen if it was it, flammable. It could be. It could be, but it's like, that's also could be used as a fuel. Like Oh, hydrogen could totally be used as a fuel. That's what bothers me yeah. about the movie is they trip over their own bullshit so often they don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah, <sighs> no, I, I completely agree. And, you know... <sighs> And in my opinion, the whole the whole premise of a city, an entire city, that has a structural engineering to go as fast and to move over the terrain that London does in this movie would necessitate having some sort of also engineering in energy production, for God's sake. Yeah, it's the, they have like a giant forge that yeah. burns everything and it's run on steam, I guess. So they have, uh, it, yeah. They must have just, I mean, I mean uh, uh, so much steampunk, water. I guess fucking steampunk. But then there's so much water. <laughs> that means water is abundant. So if water's so abundant, why are they drinking out of fucking puddles on the ground? You know how much water you would need to run steam on a si- something that size? Holy shit! Yeah, I mean, you figure you'd need an unbelievable amount of water, and then if it's not a perfectly closed system, which it could be, you never know, you don't actually see a lot of steam shooting out, you see a lot of smoke. Well, the Bavarian city shows smoke. We actually don't see smoke come from London, because I guess we're supposed to establish that it's burning the cities that are left in order to get... Yeah, and it just may be more efficient, you know, uh, more engineering. But even then, yeah, like you said, the amount of ready available water you would need for a steam engine of that size is i mean you look at a you look at a old-time locomotive there's a shitload of water in those things yeah oh yeah you know and you that's just to move tank, a train the whole tanker just to carry water with it yeah it has it has the boiler underneath and then all the water yeah so i, I and there's, it, again yeah. the movie tricks trips over itself so often i mean shit even uh shrike at the beginning of the movie He's narrating the telling us what happened, and he has pretty good diction, and he can talk. But then later, when we see him, he talks like a fucking caveman almost. Oh, it takes so long for him to fucking say anything. Yeah, which is, I mean, okay, I'll take the gravelly voice. I get it. It is grating. The living must eat. Yeah, so I get the I get the gravelly voice. It's it's cool. He's a decomposing robot, which is weird but understandable. Fine. It's grating, but I it's part of the character, so I, mean, the I, things I, I are can forgive it. Massively strong. He walks through steel yeah. beams with his forehead like yeah. nothing. But why does he have to talk so goddamn slow? I, I don't understand that part. I don't get That's, it. I, I, I and when they were yeah. doing the toy, like he's like making the toys and stuff. 
I was like, oh, this should be interesting. Like, he has the ability to make more of these things, by the way, because he clearly yeah. was going to make Hester into one. Why has he, for how many years have they, because 2,000 years passed since the 60-minute war. The 60-minute war wasn't the war that the Lazarus men fought in. That was a different war later on. The Lazarus Brigade fought later on. So, like, a thousand years later. That, to me, is more interesting than another war came where we were using fucking... We don't even know what powers him, by the way. It no. seemingly is electricity, because whenever he gets stabbed in the chest with uh, Fang's boot, it sparks. sparks. Yeah. But, like, what is keeping that core alive, you know? And keeping his flashlight yeah. eyes going when he gets mad. And how have we not harnessed that to move cities? Yeah, like... <laughs> Like when they were like, "Oh, we need an energy source," da 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 da, and then he's like, "Hey, we caught a we caught one of the Lazarus Brigade." I'm like, "Use him, use right? him." <laughs> like that seems very useful. From our yep. last episode, I can tell you right now that every android has a copper anoid uh, anode dick that you can actually hook the jumper yeah, cable yeah. to. <laughs> Have him bang London, and we'll be cruising. I just want to hear a, a boss and has to. Boss Hester. <laughs> uh, he fucking screams Hester so much that I can actually remember the main character's name, even though I, I was so bored out of my mind during half this film, I didn't even pay right. attention. Hester Shaw. Hester I, Shaw. I got her name memorized. That's for damn sure. I did hear a funny joke about her mom though, like Pandora Shaw, and then they're like, "I prefer Spotify uh, Hobbs," <laughs> and I was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> like, that's actually yeah. kind of funny. iTunes Toretto. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, the bug drivers, when they show up, the guys driving the centipede, they're like, oh, yeah, they seem nice. No, they don't. Nothing about them says nice. They are creepy as fuck and clearly cannibal people. Yeah. Like, as soon as I saw them, you know, as soon as I saw the first guy, okay, I'm like, uh, uh, okay, maybe it's just weird. And then the lady starts talking. I'm like, nah, these people are going to fucking eat them in their sleep. Yeah. That, I was like, oh, yeah, no these way. Are, these are cannibal people or something. And then. So many times, like, this thing's scuttling across the ground like a goddamn centipede. Yeah. Like a pangolin going from A to B. And when she shows them their room, it's, like, steady as a rock. Oh, yeah. The whole thing's like, shaking, but nope. The tea is yeah. poured just fine. Tea made you guys with shit like water, apparently. beans in a can. <sighs> the movie, again... Like what? What the fuck is a Southie? We don't get to explain what that is. Like they're from the South, I guess. I don't. I don't know. And then we get to this thing, I and I'm like, Are these Southies? Are uh, the I see Southies market? all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start calling them that too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would. Fucking Southies. Uh, yeah, that's South County for we're St. Louisians. Uh, yeah. So you guys know. Uh, uh, nobody, no, nobody to follow that trail goes south. Nobody goes south. <laughs> <laughs> that road, you don't go down that road. <laughs> oh man! So Hester, uh, while she's in the the bug tank, she gets hurt. Or before she goes to the bug tank, she gets hurt by getting her leg cut open trying to save Tom. Uh, Tom has a chance to escape. He doesn't. You know their love is blossoming. Ha ha ha! Okay. <laughs> then, and we'll talk about the slave market in a second because that's there's a lot there. But right after the slave market, she's fucking hopping around like Super Mario, no problem. Even though she just had a giant gash in her leg and was like, I can't even crawl through that hole in the ground. I'm hurt so bad. And I'm like, you yeah. can't you can't crawl through that hole in the ground you're hurt so bad? Come on. You can just fucking jump all over the place. I, the movie, again, trips over its own fucking points that it makes. So yeah. let's go to the slave market. First off, to pay a guy. 
start right there. <laughs> he's got a jacket covered in buttons. Uh, you saw that. His jacket is all buttons. I, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, he's I want got one just like it. Some of the most colorful dialogue of any character we see, which is why we heard him at the intro here. Uh, <laughs> I know that Jesse's particularly fond of his self pollination reference. It's Ugh. the grossest way I've at the grossest uh, innoc- most innocuous way I've ever heard of pleasuring yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Might I, just self-pollinate. I will say this, though. He's Ugh. he's a, he's a pretty fat. He's a pretty fat guy. And yeah. Sausage Guy, the butcher boy, or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah. Big dude. Huge. Like six foot five, big muscly guy. So whatever they're doing in this swamp town, it's working. They're, uh, they're, they're maintaining weight. Well, be- way better than anyone else we've seen. Soylent Green. Yeah. He calls her a swamp donkey, by the way. And I was like, yes, swamp donkey. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on. I know she has a scar on her face, but I mean, she's still, she's still really good looking. It's like that scar yeah. on her face is so minimal. I, I love it when yeah, a movie They does play that. that up, but it's like, come on. It's like she looks, she literally looks fine. It doesn't disfigure like, her at all. Her mouth and her eyes and everything else about her is like, there's a... <laughs> A coloration difference in part of her face. That is it. Like nothing else yeah, is different. It's like, come on, button boy, have you looked around? Yeah, look like at him. the curve is set pretty goddamn low. Yeah, when he was like talking about how she had an ugly scar, I'm like, that guy you just talked to looks like an ape. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and I mean, everyone's sort of dirty. Even the clean people are dirty in this. Like Valentine is always a little dirty looking, except for Fang. Yeah. Oh, she shows up and she is spotless. Now, yeah, not to get into politics of movies, but there was a lot of speculation that the character Fang was was Anna Fang, who was a big character in the books, was forced to be this particular Asian star because the Chinese market, which obviously was where most of their money came from, demands there to be a recognizable Chinese star in, in the film so they can have someone that they know and relate to and like. Uh, I don't know how true this is. This is one of those things that has been like a Hollywood rumor thing forever. It's and it's always like this weird kind of racist thing that I hear from like uh, certain critics where they're like, "Oh, they forced an Asian character in," and it's like you can just have Asian people exist, you know, it's fine. But mm. in this case, the character is perfectly clean. She seems to be from a different film. Like she's look like she's from The Matrix compared to everyone else who's from Mad Max. Uh, <laughs> She's very matrixy. Everything she does is a matrixy. I mean, she fights yeah, off okay. Shrike pretty decently without really getting hurt, which is crazy to me because then she loses a fight to Valentine, who, if I was going to compare the two, I wouldn't put Valentine above Shrike for sure. I mean, she well, kills no, because, Butcher Boy immediately. Well, not only that, but like whenever uh, they're talking about Shrike, um, the warden of the prison or whoever's showing him around, uh, Hugo Weaving, yeah. um, like, says that he lost like 12 guys bringing Shrike in, for God's sake. Like, why are they bringing it in, by the way? Like, isn't that something you just leave be? I know that he killed a town of people, and we'll get to that too, by the way. But, like, uh, you know, going back to the, the uh, slave place for a second... They set up this butcher guy to be like a mini boss character, and then he dies from one hit. And it's just like, I get what they're trying to do. They're stealing from Indiana Jones. Ha ha. Okay, but like, 
the amount of times this movie borrows like punchlines from other things is really uncomfortable because it feels like I'm like Peter Jackson. I wouldn't even want my name on it if there was so much like stealing. I mean, the Star Wars references are crazy. It's like, hey, look, there's a there's a place in the sky. Here's the Death Star. We're gonna attack the Death Star with these little planes. Oh, we can't win. But it's okay. Our main character's going to use the force and save it. It's like it, it, there's so many Star Wars things in it. Even the oh, he didn't tell you about your father. I'm your father. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh boy. Yeah, I Here said that go. when I saw it. I'm like, I'm your father. I'm like, ah. Um, although the whole uh, slave market scene, I got a real Army of Darkness vibe. Oh yeah, she pulled well, out it, that shotgun. Like, this a, is my boomstick. I mean, they the uh, the. It, <laughs> The physics of the movie are laughable, but yeah. in somewhat in the realm of realism within themselves, right? But that shotgun, which has unlimited ammo, Apparently. can send people flying through the air. When she shoots yeah. a few guys, they go... She doesn't move at all, by the way, and she weighs maybe 120 pounds soaking <laughs> wet. Like, I'm not saying no. she's not a tough lady. She probably sure. is quite tough. But weight and... Force are a thing. It happens. Yeah. Mass is a thing, and she doesn't have enough mass to push against that for that kind of mass and not be moved. A grown I've never man. Never heard of my boy Newton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently when the Earth shattered, just physics shattered with it. Yeah, I mean, to every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. I mean, even the tanks wouldn't exist. There's no metal strong enough to hold that kind of weight. Oh God! But no. like, we can forgive that. But like. Then they do little things like he's like very much so an army of darkness feel because it's almost comedic when she's shooting people and they're flying through the air. And there's like eleven cuts. In oh, that scene. they they love their cuts. They love their action cuts. Oof, that was too much. Too and, many. Uh, I do like the uh, the fight scene on Cloud City or whatever it's called. I mean, it's clearly. <laughs> It's like, hey, look, here's a city in the clouds that a black guy runs. It's like, oh, well, that's definitely not Lando. That, that, that's, yeah. That's, that's definitely <laughs> uh, not Cloud City. A character at all. who, like, that character seemed like he was going to be more important, and he really did nothing. I was like, oh, this guy, oh, this guy must be important. He seems cool. And yeah. He's, like, pushing back maybe against these people. Nope, nothing. He maybe he's important in the, in the books. No, no. No? Not really oh, at all. Shit. Yeah. All right. Anna's the most important person there. Hmm. Uh, and maybe he's mentioned more in the books, but. Obviously, from the breakdowns that I got, they don't really even mention him. And now, a word from our sponsor. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. Uh, wow, okay. So, the the fight when Shrike gets there and he's fighting all the guys in the room, that's a pretty cool fight. Because he's just launching people through walls and floors. And he's he's showing that he's not stupid. He's really smart. And the way he's fighting is super effective. Because he's like, I don't have to kill you. I just have to push you to the area that kills you. Drop you here, push you to here, throw you to the wall. And I really did like that fight scene. I got to say, of all the fight scenes, that was the most interesting one to me. And then we immediately lose Shrike because his heart grew two, three sizes and he died. I don't know what the hell happened there. Yeah. Fang's, I... Fang's little knife to the chest apparently was enough to kill him over time. Although he got shot with like multiple heavy rounds of machine guns and was fine. Right. <laughs> yeah, he gets shot with a gun so hard that he like flies back through some things. Yeah. And just shakes it off while he's still on fire. 
Yeah. And she stabs him with what I can only imagine is maybe a six inch blade. And now that no, that's it. That was the end of it. He, he's he's yep. on I mean, he's on his way out. Now, granted, the bomb to his leg, like it took his foot off, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because then we have the whole where he's going to kill Tom moment, and she has to reveal that she's in love with Tom. And that was a moment where he kind of realizes, oh, wait, she's not broken anymore. And he dies. And I don't know if these things have a purpose that they have to do, and then it it goes away or what. I don't understand how these things work. He's clearly not just a mindless killing machine, because why would he take care of this child? But at the same time, we hear that he killed an entire city of people, and we watch him kill multiple people who are, are good people trying to save people. So... Both their dads are dicks, by the way. Like, Hester's two dads are fucking jerk-offs. Like, Valentine's a piece of shit. Shrike's a piece of shit. Just because Shrike has a somewhat touching moment, we're supposed to care about his death. But I was like, good fucking riddance to that thing, man. That thing was a mess. Yeah. You know how many people he killed to get to where he He killed a city of people. He killed everyone in the city. They fucking say that specific line. And he he didn't take her in... Like, in my mind, he doesn't take her in for the good of saving a human life. He's not, like, a humanitarian or anything. He took her in because she was a broken thing, and he thought he could fix her. That's why he takes all the dolls and the mannequins, and he puts them back together. He is a handyman. He fixes broken things. Sure, there is a latent memory of a daughter that he may have had at one point that does guide him in these things, but that also explains all the dolls, too. Yeah. You know, if he assumes that his daughter was a broken thing and wants to fix it, it's it's just that inherent need to have to fix things. That doesn't so make he, him a good I mean, person in any way. Maybe whatever Shrike was before, he was a mechanic. Like, I mean, you're not just going to be fighters. You're going to need frontline mechanics for things. And if, if machinery sure. is so important, that could be what he is. His mission has been gone for years, and, and his head fixed things is the thing he does. Uh, he had that weird, like you said, that weird memory of a daughter and seeing Hester being the way she is is what tied him into going, oh, yeah, I got to fix her. And his solution to fix her was to kill her only for a little while, which that line was <laughs> ridiculous. You're going to kill yeah, me only shit. for a little while. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and see, that's the thing, though. <laughs> when he said that, I call bullshit because... He says, I'm, uh, you know, she says, you're, you're going to kill me. And he goes, only for a little while. But they specifically say that in turning her into a machine like him, they are going to wipe her memory. Yeah, she'll feel nothing. I'm sorry. Anymore. I'm, yeah. Exactly. I'm one of the people that thinks that your memories are me- what make you who you are. Sure, yeah. That's so why if you're going to wipe her memories. Isn't a real you because they're not going to have the, exactly. the life building events that you had. Yeah. So, yes, he's going to kill your ass. Yeah. Dead. <laughs> so, this movie, I, I feel like that line was in there because, spoiler, Fang dies. But in the books, a pirate that's the villain of the second book resurrects Fang as a stalker, as one of the Lazarus Brigade. So, Fang huh. becomes a villain, and she is one of the stalkers and she's like an important villain for the next book after that which takes place 17 years later by the way books one and two are within six months of each other then they jump 17 years into the future it's crazy Holy crap so uh because they're they're kid how many books are there four there's okay. two books set with tom and hester as the main characters and the two latter books basically are their their daughters 
is their daughter is the main character. Like Hester and mm-hmm. Tom are there, but uh, you yeah. know things happen. I don't want to. If you're going to read them, I don't want to spoil what yeah, happens. Yeah, no, I'm going to read them. They're I'm they're them. they're interesting universes, but this movie is not an interesting movie. No. And can I comment on the fact that Hester's mother's name is Pandora and Hugo Weaving steals a box from her? A box that Isn't kills a little, things? a little on the nose. <sighs> that is I Valentine. Mean, what are you doing? <laughs> the name's yeah, this. A, yeah, it's just, it's a little much, Pandora's box. I mm, That kind of took me out for a minute. Because I'm like, of all the things he could have stolen from her, we, we, have, we just have a box. Yeah. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I mean, there's so many moments in this movie that are just heavy 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 handed that it's it's ridiculous but just the movie itself is very pretty uh the cg is actually fairly well done there's a couple moments that are not yeah. the greatest but shrike is a, a very well done oh it's fan- he looks fantastic yeah. even with his flashlight eyeballs he looks great like when he turns the eyeballs off I understand that they make him ominous and scary, and honestly, yeah, he scares the living shit out of me whenever he's walking out of the water and stuff yeah. with a flashlight I bought with his high beams on. Screaming Hester but, at the top of his lungs. Yeah, but without the high beams, when you just switch it down to the low beams or the driving lights or the parking markers, yeah. uh, he, he honestly, he looks phenomenal. Like, he, just the CG. A, I mean, everything. you can see Stephen Lang in it a lot. Like, Stephen Lang's got that really thin nose and the, this mm-hmm. type of face, and you're like, oh, there he is. When the eyes yeah. are glowing, you don't see it as much. But the humanity in the character really does show once those lights are off. Yeah, you're right. And, the, again, the character looks good enough where, at times, you almost forget he's completely CG. You mm-hmm. see just another character there, uh, the Gollum effect, where you're like, oh, yeah, it's just a character. Uh, the bad CG that does exist is whenever we have a human character needing to do something they can't do. And, like, a, a jump yeah. or a plane going by, you see them. That's when you see the roughness in the CG, but most things are rendered very nicely in this. Yeah, which is where their budget went, oh, well, for sure. Well, it wasn't in the oh casting. Who's the biggest star in this film? Hugo Weaving? <laughs> Hugo Weaving. <laughs> like, I love yeah. Hugo Weaving. I'm, no diss on Hugo Weaving. May I say, though, Hugo Weaving with a beard, I mean... He's a great villain, by sploosh, the way. He's fucking buddy. awesome. But like, Oh, God, yeah, he's a good he, villain. And he's... Honestly, this movie, he's doing his best. He's doing a great villain. Yeah. Uh, I like When him he's like talking movie, to the daughter to and he's like, you know, oh, yeah, she's a half sister, blah, blah, blah. And he's like kind of playing up like this friendly part of him. He's so good at that uh, to the point where whenever he's like, when he catches Tom and he goes, oh, she was saying the craziest things. He's like, I'm sorry, I had to hear that. And uh, then she's like, yeah, I said that you killed her mom. And then he's like, what did she say? And like the the change he has in that moment is very good. Like he's a good actor, and yeah. Robert Sheen is good. Uh, you know, I like it when he gets to play a little more wacky, uh, like in Bro yeah. Academy. He's, but he does oh, yeah. he does well as this character. She's one of the more uninteresting yeah. characters, to be honest. Her and Fang probably are the worst yeah. characters in the movie as far as acting goes. The daughter, though, a lot of stoicism. Yeah, it, it's like. That silence thing doesn't always work, and it's hard for it mm-hmm. to work, and it doesn't really work for these two characters. But the daughter, she's very good, and she's really interesting because she's got a really weird spot in this. Her dad is the villain, and she has, and she's not a bad person. So I, I she liked what they did with her. Um, yeah. I like the evil pope. I thought he was interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
that I, gun that I, Hugo Weaving has. Yeah, that thing's <laughs> yeah. wicked. But you know, and honestly, Hugo Weaving is uh, one of the actors, and there there's a handful of them who embody um, my thought of a fantastic villain. And is that the fact that every good villain thinks they're the hero? Yeah, I mean, any villain that you've ever seen that's fantastic and good, they think they're the hero. Other than Lord of the Rings, I guess Elrond wasn't a villain. Elrond was a good character, but even Elrond had villainous parts of him, like trying to Mm -hmm. get Arwen to leave. And but he's great in that. He's even though he's only got like kind of small bits of it, he's very interesting his agent smith is very interesting uh red skull he does a great red skull uh when we see him in the terrible wolfman movies he's the most interesting part of it he's he's good and he's good in this everyone actually is trying their hardest it's just like two characters just don't work and i think it more it's what was written for them than anything else but hester at times has to deliver these lines that are very powerful, but she's got such a frail, uh, demeanor that whenever she delivers them, she sounds like she's making her voice deep. And it's that weird voice that you hear, like little kids make, Oh, I'm I'm the tough one. here, And it's like, it sounds really dumb. And so you have that issue with her. And then with Fang, they do this thing where it's like the characters always kind of like has a smug smirk on her face. And it, and, the character, she looks great. She's doing the action great. But when she delivers some of the lines, it comes off really bad. And I'm like, is that the best take? Was that the best take? When uh, Robert, she, when Tom goes, oh, get behind me. I'll take care of this. And it's a dumb, it's a dumb thing for him to do. But it's in character. He's a dumb character. And she goes, yeah. oh, yeah? What exactly are you going to do? But that's how the line is delivered. That choppy and that sloppy. And I'm like, what are we doing here, guys? Like, this was terrible. And it almost makes you forget the good acting that was actually in the film. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what a what a boring Gee. film, though, man. Like, I, I love... It was like... I think the problem was my mind was so like, yes, this is all so cool. But then none of it delivered. So mm-hmm. the boredom hit me even harder than it should have. I just I I wasn't bored. I was entertained for the whole thing. However, every time I started to get my hopes up about something they were talking about, something they were showing, a character they introduced, uh, they just got doused because it's like, oh, awesome! There's a fucking android with human skin that's rotting off of. I want to hear more. We're not getting. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. Speaking of, it's just like goddamn. Speaking of one note characters uh, that we need to stop. Uh, the posh rich guy who says insanely, <laughs> insanely oh, hateful God. things out loud. Here's the thing. I know plenty of terrible people. I've met plenty of terrible people in my, in my days of customer service. None of them are <laughs> yeah. so direct. And uh, I don't remember his name, but he's just, he's like, oh, you're just a, uh, I don't even know what he calls them. They got all these made up words. You're just a scabby from blah, blah, blahs. And. Uh, why don't you get down to the third level? It'll never make in time. <laughs> and I'm just like, come on. It, it, that character was so over the top with what they were doing. It was annoying. And I get that bullies exist and there are jerks out there. 
But it doesn't do anything for a character whatsoever. And when he shows back up and he's like, I know where they hit stuff. And I'm like, okay, sure. I'm overdue for a promotion. Like, the character like, is... Wow, un- so you're the wormy yeah. guy. He's okay. unnecessary, too. Because I would think that they would investigate Tom after he betrayed them as far as what uh, Valentine thought. So why not go to look right. into it? But, like, I mean, just... Not only that, but when they go to the office where Tom was hiding all of his goodies, they just it looks like they just ripped through the map that yeah, was that, covering that all the stuff. Up. A real Shawshank Redemption yeah. moment. Why don't we just lift it you up? Know, search his office. Uh, yeah, it, the map lifts up to show the stuff that he hid behind it. And these guys decide they're going to punch through it and reach in and drop stuff, a trail of stuff on the way out, by the way. He's like, there's like scared. Yeah, which stuff. he had to put a code in to open that, by the way. Oh, not them. It's like, like Tom, are you kidding me right now you have a code to pull up your poster of you know 1998 swimsuit edition whatever <laughs> doctor come on buddy <laughs> i wonder if he can, he should have had a one to close the damn blinds so uh rich boy didn't tattle on him right <laughs> uh i don't know if there's much more that needs to be said about this film to be honest just wowie what a <laughs> pile of misinformation just mismatch none of it quite goes together it feels like three movies uh were combined and then you you painted over it with something else to try to make something new and it just doesn't work so let's let's get to the next part should it bomb one two three four Okay, so, oh, God. Uh, Yes, I think it deserves its bomb based on the fact that it sounds like the books are quite a bit better. And I have a bad, I have always have a bad taste in my mouth after watching a movie where they try to cram too much of a good book into a shorter movie because it happens all the time. Now, that being said, while I think it, deserved it bomb i also think it i mean it was an entertaining and pretty movie for me so if you like sci-fi steampunky kind of things i would still give it a chance okay okay. so i'm gonna agree with you almost on everything you said uh the movie is very pretentious and the movie has got too much going on and it did it deserve to fail yes it was a young adult uh movie young adult book turned into a movie that that ship sailed six years prior, like super late to the game, guys, what are you doing? You know, what do I feel like this deserves? I don't feel like this deserves to burn in failure. Hell. I feel like this deserves to get the golden compass treatment. Golden compass. Wasn't that bad of a film. It was bad. It was too much, but it wasn't that bad. The movie failed, right? So golden compass for years, we didn't hear about it. And then it got an HBO series. That HBO series is fucking great. If you like Golden Compass, watch it. So, this universe, and I understand the budget of these big cities is a little much for a TV series, but you honestly only really see the the, the city do something like one time. 
it would be better off as like an HBO series. If we got this one book into 10 episodes, so we got a, we yeah. got about nine hours instead of just two hours, we would have been able to explore these characters a little better. We would have care a little better. And it would have just been a more interesting approach instead of everything being a mile a minute. Once the movie starts rolling, this fucking movie doesn't stop. It's like bam, yeah. bam, 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 bam. As soon as like as a- soon as they fall out of that fucking thing, they're chased by Southies, get they're caught by cannibals. Fang brings them to the city. Shrike attacks them. They kill Shrike. It, it, it is non fucking stop. And even though I do like a nonstop film from time to time, like John Wick, those movies work for that nonstop because you're in a very small area. There's so much we're losing out on here. There's so many characters that just fall flat because we're not allowed to explore them. Imagine those other Sky Pirate characters. Each one of them probably has an interesting story that we're supposed to care about. Instead, they're like, oh, Nils, no, he's crashing. And I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that guy is. Who was that guy? Was it, Which one was that? I don't know these characters, so I don't care when they die. But if we had a TV Actually, series, um, John McClane uh, killed Nils, remember? That's true. He did kill Nils. Nils is, is dead. Nils is dead, fuckhead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's what I said when that happened in the movie, by the way. That, uh, so anyway, do I think it deserved to fail? Absolutely. Do I think it deserves a second chance? Yes, 100%. 100%. Give it the TV option. TV nowadays is so damn good anyway, so let's let's do oh, that. Yeah. So. Like a Netflix special. Yeah. Like a, like a I mean, four-season miniseries. I'd rather give it to Amazon or HBO. Netflix tends to give up too early. Like. They'll, they'll get two yeah. seasons out of it, and they'll go, well, we're done. It got too expensive. Now, Jeff Bezos just launched himself to space on a giant wangus. Yeah, we're going to so date this podcast. I'm sure he's not. Yeah. Yeah. How can a bald guy <laughs> yeah, but... drive, a bald guy seriously that people think is evil fly in a dick rocket and not make fucking <laughs> Austin Powers like references nonstop? Like, what is going on yeah. here? Oh, gosh. Uh... It, oof. Kids, if you're listening to this, if you're if you're driving along in a steampunk London and you dig up an MP3 player that's called an iPod usually from some uh, uh, mud soon, hole and you're listening to this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then just understand that one of the richest people on our planet launched himself into space on a giant dildo for 10 seconds yeah. and thought it was pretty fucking cool. <laughs> this is the world we live in. This is the world. Whee. You know what? Is it better than that world? Is it better than the shattered crust world of Mortal Engines? By the way, what does Mortal Engines mean? I'm not sure. It, I don't Mortal know. Engines I was trying to, to figure that out like too. It's referring to Shrike, but he's clearly not the main character. Yeah, it's got to be something mentioned in the book. It's got to it be. It sounds cool, I guess. Because it is a hell of a... It does sound super cool, which is why I was expecting it to have some kind of something. Yeah. But yeah, they don't mention it at all. Like a living engine, huh? Oh, that's neat. Nope, that doesn't happen. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Nope. Well, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was two hours of my time. Boy, the last few movies we've done have been long, man. They've been long films. <laughs> Please tell me the next yeah. one isn't fucking two hours long. Jesse, what's next? <laughs> All right, our next one, magic number generator, give me my number, and it is number 85. Number 85. Uh, scroll down, number 85, 85. Oh, you're going to love this. <laughs> 2015, Pixels. Oh, shit. You know what? <laughs> that movie's like 90 minutes. 
But God damn yeah, it. It's not a long movie, fucking... but I remember you telling me how much you enjoyed film. the movie Pixels. I hate this film because the <laughs> short that came out about it was so good that this movie oh, just God. bastardized the YouTube short so much. Ugh. Jesus Christ. I rem- I've seen this movie one time when it first came out, and I I didn't go to theaters. I saw it when it came out to video, but I I don't remember much of it. Uh, a character fucks Qbert in it. You remember that? I don't. <laughs> That's fantastic. I can't wait. Yeah, well, tune in next time to see Qbert get fucked. <laughs> Doesn't Qbert? He's he turns a, into a hot chick. His uh, chat bubbles always just have explosions. Yeah, it's like, like and just shows. It's fantastic. Yeah. <sighs> Fucking Qbert. Anyway. <laughs> I better not have to pay for that. I paid three dollars to watch this fucking movie. <laughs> I bet. I swear to God. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, you can find us on Facebook at the Box Office Bomb Squad. You can send us an email at MagicTalkieBox at uh, gmail dot com, and you can find me at Brando Supreme on Twitter. I'm there. I sometimes active. I sometimes disappear for a few days, and you can also find me on Instagram, Brando Supreme. Uh, same story as before. Jesse, where can the good folks of uh, the, where can the good, the good Southies find you? <laughs> <laughs> the Southies can find me wherever they want. No, uh, you can find me on Twitter is the best place at Pin of Doom. You can also again find me on Instagram or you know honestly any social network. Just look for Pin of Doom. You'll find me. I'm there. I've signed up for so many things that you remember the social net the social network Peach. No, you fucking don't, because no. there was like five people signed up to it, and I was one of them. <laughs> so, exactly. So just just look for Pin of Doom. I'll, I'm there. So you'll get foamy videos and Jesse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, everybody. Thanks, and uh, the next one should be fun, because if it's a, like, I, I haven't hated a film in a bit. I mean, I, I hated Battlefield Earth. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not your friend, but... <laughs> when I hate a film, I get very passionate about making sure everyone else hates it. So uh, this should be an interesting. It, it should be an. And if Jesse likes this film, I I might go fucking beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait! I hope I like it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks. See ya. <laughs>